I invite you this morning to take your message notes from the worship guide uh, that you have. And, and, and if you have a pen, take your pen in hand. And uh, open your Bibles, if you have them, to Hebrews chapter 6. As today we want to share with you the next message in this message series that we've been calling Back to the Basics, Foundations for a Mature Faith. As you're getting ready for this, uh, I, I want to ask, do you, do you know what the Bible says about us if, if we're a follower of Jesus Christ? The Bible says that God doesn't intend for us to remain in spiritual infancy or to remain as a spiritual adolescent. Uh, rather, the scripture is saying that God wants us to grow to spiritual maturity. And in order to do that, we've got to have a solid foundation. And here in cha- Hebrews chapter 6, uh, God's word identifies some of those uh, building blocks, those foundational building blocks that are that strong spiritual foundation on which you and I can grow into spiritual maturity. And uh, so far over the last couple of weeks of this series, we've covered the uh, first three of the six. And today we want to look at the fourth in a message that we're calling a, a touch that transforms. And so follow along in your Bibles or up here on the screen behind me as uh, we look again this morning at Hebrews chapter three or six, verses one through three. The writer of Hebrews says, therefore, therefore, in other words, based on uh, all that Christ has done for us that he's been talking about in the previous chapters. He says, therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. Now, when he tells us to leave the elementary teachings of the Christian faith, he's not saying to us, hey, discard them, no longer value them. Rather, what he's saying is is that we want to leave them in the sense that they are so ingrained within us, so built into us that we don't have to think about them anymore. It's like when we do higher math. When we do higher math, we don't have to think about how to add or subtract. It's just built into us. When we read advanced works of literature, we don't have to think about the alphabet. It's just built into us. And so what these foundational teachings about Jesus are, uh, are truths that that the scripture is saying need to be built into our lives so that we can then go on into other uh, learning and into other teaching that will help us grow even more mature as God's people. Well, what are those foundational teachings that we've been looking at? And if you have your message notes and you want to fill in the rest of those building blocks there, we The first three are already filled in on the bottom, repentance, faith, and baptism. We've seen those in the last couple of weeks. And and now we come to number four, the laying on of hands. And and maybe as you've heard that, uh, you were like me a while ago and preparing for this series. I I thought, you know, hey, I get, uh, you know, repentance and saving faith. I get baptism and how that all works into the foundation of our faith. But what is it about the laying on of hands? And, And I hope that by the end of this message, we'll understand why it's in this list. And then next week, we're going to look at the uh, resurrection and the reality that uh, this life is not the only one there is, and we need to live with a long, eternal view rather than a short view. And, and then the final message of the series will be about judgment, that, that reality that there is one day going to be an, uh, one who we give an account to for our life and how we live our life. Well, today, let's dig into this notion of, of what the Scripture wants us to learn about the laying on of hands. And And if we were today to look at every New Testament passage uh, uh, that talks about the laying on of hands, we would essentially find three big insights that the Scripture gives us about this. And and the first one is is that the Scripture uh, uh, talks about laying on of hands being associated with 
the way God calls and commissions you and me to serve in his name. If you're taking notes, write in that word serve. And uh, let me give us an example of a couple of uh, passages of scripture where we see this happening. Uh, For instance, in Acts chapter 6, we know that the church is growing. The church is in infancy. It's been growing and more and more people are coming into the life of the church. And so much is happening. So many more people are coming in that all the ministry needs can't be taken care of, especially when it came to the widows. And I think we need to understand today that the reason for that is that, you know, back in that day, they didn't have social security and pensions like we do today. And, and your social security system was your family. And if you were a widow and, and, and you didn't have a family to take care of you, uh, you know, you had to have the church, especially those widows that converted from Judaism to Christianity. Because in, in that day, if you converted, uh, oftentimes families would reject you. Families would even sometimes have a funeral for a family member who's still alive but had, had converted to Christianity. And so more and more widows are coming into the life of the church and they're a need that, that's got to be taken care of. And, and here in Acts chapter 6, verses 3 through 6, the apostles say to the people, Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. And this proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. And here it is in verse 6. Look at this. They presented these men to the apostles and, who prayed and laid their hands on them. Now what's going on when they do this? What's happening is they're saying... To these guys, hey, we see in you the kind of character traits that are needed to be the kind of leader for this ministry to which we are calling you to serve. And and by our laying on of hands, we're saying we believe God has called you for this ministry. God's gifted you for this service. Uh, He's setting you apart and we are commissioning you. We're identifying you as the ones who will serve the church of Jesus Christ in this way. And a little bit later, we see the same kind of thing happening in Acts chapter 13, where, where in the church of Antioch, the scripture says that there were prophets and uh, teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. And so after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and they sent them off. Now, those of you who have been around the church for a while, you know that there's a word that we oftentimes connect with this kind of act, and, and it's the word ordination, or it's the word commissioning. And, and what is it that people do at an ordination service? Well, a congregation or a group of leaders will gather around uh, maybe pastors or elders or, or, or those who have been uh, you know, called to a particular office like the church council or the deacons, and they'll lay hands on them and pray for them. You know, I love it when we around here commission our mission teams that are going out on uh, short-term mission trips, whether they're going to Mexico or Nicaragua uh, or somewhere here in the United States to serve in the name of Jesus. Uh, what we do is we do a biblical thing. As we introduce them, we have them sometimes come up to the front and, and uh, we'll say what they're doing and then we'll gather around them, we'll lay hands on them and we'll pray for them. And what's going on here? What's going on is we're saying, Oh Lord, 
we believe that you are calling and commissioning these people to serve you in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, now before we move on from this point, uh, I, I want to ask all of us a question. And I think it's really a question that comes from the uh, practical outcome of, of the practice of this laying on of hands. And the question is, are, are you and I, are we, are you serving in a meaningful way in the name of Jesus in the life of this church family? Uh, if not, maybe the reason that God has called you here today, maybe the only reason God has called you today is to hear this word uh, that comes out of this laying on of hands and God is calling you to get out of the grandstands and get onto the field and he's saying, hey, I want you to quit watching and I want you to start doing. Now, I am so thankful that this is a church where, uh, you know, there are so many people here involved in ministry. Uh, a lot more people, a lot higher percentage in this church are involved in ministry than a lot of other churches in our country today. A lot of churches in our country today have few people who do and a lot of people who watch. Uh, Leighton Ford uh, the evangelist uh, had one time a friend of his from another country come and visit him in the United States. And while that friend was here, he took him to a professional football game. And, and there as they were watching the game, Leighton Ford said that uh, this guy described what was going on in a way that applies to a lot of churches today. As this guy said, it, it looked to him like there were 50,000 people needing exercise watching 22 people needing rest, you know. <laughs> And, you know, that's the way it is in a lot of churches, isn't it? A whole bunch of people in need of, of ministry exercise watching some folks who are in need of ministry rest. And so I want to say this morning, if, if you're among the 50,000, won't you get in the game and start to serve and use the gifts that God has given you? You know, there are all kinds of ministries in this church where we have all kinds of needs as more and more people are coming and the church is growing and, and, uh, and our staff would love to have you jump in and get involved. Mark Nelson and, and Paul Austin help lead some of our ministries to adults and Dave Gass and Melissa Fager help lead our ministry to youth and Marsha Pavko and, and, and Lisa Berry, uh, Berry help lead our ministry to children. Megan Yeager uh, leading the ministry in, in the nursery. I, I mean, these folks would just love to talk with you. They'd love to talk with you about getting involved in ministry. There's all kinds of needs where we need people who sense God is calling them to serve in the name of Jesus. And not only are there needs here in our church family, but there's all kinds of ministries of outreach in our community as well. And do you realize that as a follower of Jesus Christ, God has called us to have both a ministry in the church and a mission in the world? And so today, if you feel God is urging you in this to make a difference in people's lives in the community, I'd love to talk with you. I mean, this is all part of the implication of this notion of the laying on of hands that we are talking about here this morning. Well, let's see a, a second insight into the laying on of hands that's associated with the Scripture. And, and that is uh, that in the Scripture, the laying on of hands is associated with the, with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Right in those words, Holy Spirit. And we notice this in Acts 8 and 9. Uh, in Acts 8, the Bible says, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. And then Peter and John placed their hands on them 
and they received the Holy Spirit. What's happening here is that a whole new group of people have come to know Christ as Savior. You see, the the church all through Old Testament times, the people of God were the Jewish people. And the church in the New Testament began as a Jewish church. And so these people who had always recognized that God's people were Jewish people suddenly got surprised when the Holy Spirit of God began to work on in the lives of Samaritans and in the lives of Gentiles. And, and they were having a hard time accepting that change, you know, kind of like folks today who, you know, the philosophy of some churches is, you know, we, we never did it that way before. But, but God's a God of a new thing. And these Samaritans are coming to know Christ and these, you know, Jewish Christians are having a struggle trying to accept this. And so God withholds the sending of his Holy Spirit on these folks uh, until the apostles can get there. They've heard that these Samaritans have come to faith in Christ. And so they go there. And as they go there, they realize they truly have come to faith in Christ. They lay hands on them. And as a sign to the apostles that, yes, the church is now part of every nation, every tribe, every tongue, God sends his Holy Spirit on those Samaritans. And we see the same thing happening in Acts chapter 9, a chapter later where uh, Saul has this dramatic conversion on the road to Damascus and, and Saul has been out killing Christians and, and, uh, and suddenly he becomes a Christian. But the church is a little hesitant to accept that. They go, hey, maybe this is a trap. Maybe he's doing this to lure Christians to him so that he can kill them. And, and so Ananias goes to the house sent by God and And he realizes Saul is indeed a Christian. He places his hands on him. The Holy Spirit comes upon Saul and Saul's sight is healed. He gets his sight back and he's filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen, sometimes in the church when when we lay hands on people and we pray for them, we're, we're saying, oh God, would you anoint them? Would you empower them? Would you fill this person with your spirit as they serve in your name. And so you see the laying on of hands in the scriptures associated not only with, with the calling and the commissioning of God's people for service, but it's also associated with the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon his people and empowering us to serve him. Now, let's look this morning at a third insight that we glean from the scripture. And I want to spend the rest of our time here in this this morning and, and most of our time here in this this morning because in the scripture, uh, the laying on of hands is oftentimes associated with the way that God uses, and write it in, human touch. The way God uses our human touch, first of all, in healing. In healing. And uh, nowhere is this more apparent than in the life and the ministry of Jesus. I mean, it occurs again and again. And And let me give you an example. Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 42. The Bible says that a man with leprosy, uh, in in other words, a a man who has in that day a contagious, uh, infectious skin disease, came and knelt at the front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you are willing, he said, you can heal me and make me clean. Now, I don't know if you realize this, but because... Because leprosy was such an infectious and contagious disease back then, uh, if you were a leper, you were ostracized from the community. You had to leave your family. You had to leave your friends. 
You had to leave your home, the town that you lived in. You had to go out and live out in the country on your own or in a leper colony. And, and anytime you were out and about trying to get some food, if you came across someone or they came near you, you had to ring this bell and you had to shout, Unclean! Unclean! In, in other words, don't touch me. You'll get infected if you touch me. And moved by his isolation and his separation, moved by being ostracized, this man with leprosy comes before Jesus and he says, if you are willing, you can heal me. And verse 41 says, moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. Do you realize that all around in that moment there would have been stares of utter amazement? There, there would have been audible gasps as someone had dared to reach across the divide and actually touch someone with leprosy? Jesus says in verse 42, I'm willing, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. And you know, it didn't happen just once. It happened again and again. We could look at Luke chapter 4, verse 40, and we'd see how people all around the countryside were bringing those with all kinds of diseases and infirmities to Jesus. And Jesus, the Bible says, touched every one of them and healed them. He did it again and again and again when broken and hurting people came to Him. God used His touch to bring about healing in their life. Folks, the way that, that, that God uses human touch as, as Jesus works through us in healing it is a significant way that the laying on of hands ought to work. And it's a significant way it ought to work, not just in, in healing physically, but, but also in healing emotionally and, and spiritually. Joanna Siebert is a, a physician who was so moved by what she witnessed one day that she couldn't help but write about it. Listen to what this physician wrote. Today I visited an eight-year-old girl who was dying of cancer. Her body was disfigured by the disease and its treatment and she was in almost constant pain. As I entered her room, I was almost overcome immediately by her suffering. It seemed so unjust, so unfair, so unreasonable. Even more overpowering, however, was the presence of this eight-year-old grandmother. And this grandmother was lying in the hospital bed beside her little granddaughter with her body. She was embracing and touching this precious little girl and her inhuman suffering. Joanna Siebert stood in awe and she wrote, I knew I was on holy ground. The suffering of little children is horrifying beyond words and I will never forget through the great gentle arms and body of this gentle grandmother. She, she, she never spoke while I was there. She was simply holding and participating in and touching the suffering she could not relieve. And yet somehow, somehow her touch and her silent presence was relieving it. 
No words, she writes, could express the magnitude of her love. But her touch did. Listen, I've got I've to ask us today, is there someone in our life who we know is hurting? And, and who is in need of healing either emotionally or physically or spiritually? God is calling upon you and me as the people of Jesus Christ to, to reach out to them in the power of Christ and to hug them, to love them, to touch them. I know our, our world says don't touch, be isolated, be independent, stand on your own. Our world warns us. But today's message is, is not a warning about inappropriate touch. But rather it is a reminder that Christ wants you and me who walk with Him to touch those who are hurting and who need healing. God uses human touch in healing. And then a second thing the Scripture teaches us about how God uses our human touch empowered by the Spirit is, is in casting out fear. Write that in. In casting out fear. Look at the example of this in Revelation 1.17 where John says, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. John has this great vision of heaven in the midst of it. He, he is struck with fear as he's looking into the face of Almighty God. But in this vision, he says, God's right hand came down upon me. God laid his hand on him, you see. And he says, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. You know, I, I, I love that story of the four-year-old girl who got afraid one night when she was in bed and a thunderstorm came up. And after one particularly loud clap of thunder, she she jumped out of bed. She ran down the hall. She burst into her parents' bedroom. She jumped into the middle of the bed and she snuggled up against her daddy for comfort and assurance. And her daddy said, don't worry, honey. The Lord will protect you. And this little girl snuggled in even closer to her dad and she said, I know, daddy. But right now I just need someone with skin on. Friends, when, when we are followers of Jesus, we have a heavenly Father who no matter what we go through in life will see us home. But isn't it true that sometimes we need someone with skin on to touch us? It was just 73 seconds on January 28th 1986. And for those of you who remember those 73 seconds, you know that that was how long it was from the liftoff to the explosion of the space shuttle Challenger. When NASA printed the first official report of the last words that were spoken there on the Challenger, the official report that they released had the last words of someone being on the Challenger saying, uh-oh. Uh-oh. Sometime later, the real transcript, the one that wasn't doctored up by NASA, was leaked. 
and was published. And, and it revealed that in those 73 seconds, everyone on board knew what was happening. And the panic in their voices was evident. And in that transcript, what was actually said as the last words that were spoken on the space shuttle by one of the astronauts to another was, quote, Give me your hand. Give me your hand. Listen, there are times when people around us in life are hurting. And they need us in the power of Jesus Christ to reach out and say, Give me your hand. In the name of Jesus, I will touch you. And we will walk through this together. Not only does God use human touch through healing and in casting out fear, but thirdly, we see in the Scripture that He uses it to impart vision. Right in that word vision. And you know, this is so important. This is so important today if you're a mom or, or a dad, if you're a grandma or a grandpa, if you're a coach, you're a teacher, you, you lead younger people. God uses human touch to impart vision. And we see that in, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, where Paul says to this young pastor, Timothy, for this reason I remind you to fan into the flame the gift God has given you, which is in you, he says, through the laying on of my hands. In other words, what he's saying to this young pastor, Timothy, who's going through some difficult times in his ministry, he's saying, Timothy, I know you may be intimidated by the circumstances. I know there are times in your ministry when you're going to be afraid. I know there are times when you're going to want to quit. But in those times, I want you to remember that some time ago, through the leading of the Holy Spirit, God told me to lay hands on you and speak truth into your life. To tell you, Timothy, that God has gifted you and He is going to use you. He's going to make a difference in you and through you. And so, Timothy, when you get in those tough times, remember when I laid my hands on you and I shared that vision of what God was going to do in you and through you. And in those tough moments, you live, Timothy. You live in that vision. It was November of 1973... And he was 19 years old, and he and a buddy were in college, and they cut class and drove 350 miles to a hotel in San Francisco, California. And the reason that this 19-year-old did is that a few years before, when he was 16, he had heard God's call upon his life to preach. And a few weeks before they cut that class and made that trip to San Francisco, he had heard that Dr. W.A. Criswell, the pastor of the First Baptist Church in Dallas, one of the largest churches in the country at that time, was going to be speaking there in that hotel in San Francisco. And so he and his buddy went to hear him preach. And after the message, they, you know, people were lining up to shake Dr. Criswell's hand. Anyone that wanted to do that could line up and do it. And so he and his friend got in line to shake Dr. Criswell's hand. And when they got to Criswell, something very unexpected happened. Criswell looked at this young 19-year-old man and with kind and loving eyes, he said quite emphatically, Son, I, I believe that God's Holy Spirit is leading me 
to lay hands on you and pray for you. And without delay, Chriswell laid his hand on this young man's head and he began to pray. And he said, Father, I ask that you would give this young preacher a double portion of your spirit. And may the churchy pastors grow to twice the size of the Dallas church. Bless him greatly. This 19-year-old said to his friend as they walked away with tears in his eyes, he said, Danny, did he just pray what I think he prayed? And Danny said, sure did. Sure did. I think most of you know the name of that 19-year-old. His name is Rick Warren. And he has become probably the most influential pastor of the 21st century here in the United States. And where was that vision imparted? Where was that vision implanted and shaped? It was when Dr. W.A. Criswell laid hands on him and spoke words of a future over him. Listen, moms and dads, and grandparents, and coaches and teachers and people who have an impact in kids' lives, are you coming alongside those kids and are you placing a hand on their shoulder on their arm and are you saying to them, God has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. He's going to use you for His kingdom. Lastly today, the Bible would have us see that the laying on of hands as it occurs within human touch is also used in bestowing blessing. Write that word blessing in. You know, Jesus did this when they brought the little children in in Mark chapter 10. The Bible says one day some parents brought their children to Jesus so He could touch and bless them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering Him. And when Jesus saw what was happening, He was angry with His disciples. And He said to them, let the children come to Me. Don't don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. And then he took the children in his arms and laying his hands on them, he blessed them. In in their book, The Blessing, John Trent and Gary Smalley share in that book a truth that they learned from a study that was done by by UCLA. And in that study, the the study said that in order for people to maintain emotional uh, and physical health, men and women need eight to ten meaningful touches a day. And uh, Smalley and Trent shared how one time they were doing this marriage seminar, and as they were sharing that with the people, they noticed a few rows back, this guy who was patting his wife on the shoulder and going, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, you know? (laughs) That's not quite it, is it? It's talking about a caress. It's talking about a hug, a kiss, a stroke, a hand placed lightly on the arm or a shoulder, a hand clasped with yours. Her name was Dorothy. And it would be a day that that changed her life. Dorothy was a freshman at a major university and she was taking a class. Her first class was in public speaking. 
Little did she know that the professor who taught that class had taught that class for over 25 years. He was in his early 60s. He was an outstanding, godly Christian man who across the years had influenced many college students for faith in Christ. And on that first day of class, he did what he had always done in that class on the first day. And, and that was to tell, you know, the students who had come to this speech class that he wanted them to begin the class by making a short speech and answering two questions. The first one being, what do you like about yourself? The second one being, what don't you like about yourself? Dorothy was hiding in the back of the room. And her long red hair hung down around her face. And when it was Dorothy's turn to respond, there was only silence in the room. Thinking that she may not have heard the question, this godly, grandfatherly professor pulled his chair over next to hers and gently repeated the question. He said, now tell us, what is it that you like about yourself? And what don't you like about yourself? And again, there was a long silence. And finally, with a deep sigh, Dorothy sat up in her chair and she pulled her hair back from her face. And she revealed an irregularly shaped birthmark that was almost as red as the hair on the top of her head. And that birthmark covered the whole one side of her face. And she said, that should show you what I don't like about myself. Moved with compassion. This godly, grandfatherly man moved closer to her. He gave her a gentle hug. And then he leaned over and he kissed her on the cheek at the place of the birthmark. And he said, that's okay, honey. God loves you and thinks you're beautiful. And so do I. When that happened, she began to weep. And she wept uncontrollably in, in silence, or uncontrollably in the silence of that classroom. For almost 20 minutes, that class sat in silence. Eventually, some of the students got up and they came around her trying to comfort her. And when finally she gathered herself, she said, I have wanted so much for so long for someone to touch me, to hug me, to say what you said. My parents won't even do that. My mother won't even touch my face. But that day, because of his touch and the love of Christ in him that came through to her, her heart began to change. And two weeks later, this professor led her to faith in Jesus Christ. And now, today, Dorothy knows the healing, hope-filled touch of Christ. As the band comes out now to lead us in our closing worship, I, I want to say to you today, what, what about you? Is, is there some mark? Maybe it's a mark that that's not on the outside, but maybe it's inside. 
Maybe it's a broken place inside of you. And, and on hearing this, you're thinking to yourself, can somebody just touch me today? Would somebody just pray for me? I don't think that you and I can walk out of here today after hearing a message like this and not do something with this. Because, you know, in the church of Jesus Christ is what the church ought to be. People like you and like me should be willing to say, I'm hurting. I'm broken. I'm carrying around a burden inside. Maybe it's I'm physically ill. Maybe it's a, a burden we struggle with emotionally. Maybe it's I've got a burden for my kids or my grandkids. And we ought to be able to say that. And the church ought to be a place where we can feel the healing touch of God through someone touching us. Maybe what we're about to do next is not for you today. But maybe there are some of you here who, who sense that that God is speaking to you, and, and you need to just stand. We had a lot of folks at 9.30 who stood. And, and by standing, you're just simply saying, Pastor David, I, I've got a burden going on in my life. Maybe something within me, something with my kids, my grandkids, maybe an illness, maybe something I'm struggling with emotionally. Pastor David, would you just, would you just pray for me today? I have a burden in my life going on right now. And last night I laid awake till four o'clock in the morning because of that. And so I'm going to stand here today and I'm going to ask Pastor Dave to come and just lay his hand on my shoulder. If you're one out there who is struggling or wrestling with something and you want prayer, I want to just encourage you to stand. Uh, service, it took a while before one stood, but once one did, we had some 25, 30 people stand. Who'll be first? Will others join? If you have a burden and you'd like prayer today, would you, would you just stand where you are? I want to ask, there's several people now standing. Would those around them just simply reach around and, and touch them on the arm? Would you move over and catch these people in the front? Just, just reach over, gently touch them on the arm. And David, would you touch me? And let's close in prayer. God, we ask you to meet us in this holy moment in the power of your spirit. Lord, I pray that where there is brokenness today, that that through your touch, the touch of your Holy Spirit through the hands of your people, that you would bring wholeness and health and healing. Lord, I pray that where there is despair, that you would bring hope. Oh God, meet us in this place. And where there is fear, dispel it. And replace it with confident trust in you. Lord, we pray that you would make the human touches that are occurring around this room. Drive home the reality of your faithfulness. And your goodness to every person in need. Lord, touch deeply, we pray. And bring your healing this morning. And we will be sure to give you thanks and glory. As we pray in Jesus' name.